Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, and I am one half of the Legal Geeks. With me is Jessica Meterson. Jessica, how are you tonight? I am super duper tonight, Josh. How are you? Well, it's fitting that you are feeling super <laughs> and that you are female. Because <laughs> let's talk about Supergirl. Because I'm an awesome Supergirl, too. And I'm like, that's right. As Kat explained, although she will always be Allie McBeal to me, which is another legal tie-in, and we could have had so much fun with that show if that show were still around. Um, you know, hey, it is not a bad thing to be called girl. It is obviously kind of a loaded term, but I like, I do love it. I'm jumping right into it. One of the things that's great about Supergirl is how meta it is about all the feminist issues, even this past week with the whole, you know, you don't ask my cousin questions like that kind of thing. I mean, that right there, talking about different questions that they'll ask guys and girls. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or a superhero. So, uh, yes, I am a Supergirl, although I'm not the Supergirl, unfortunately. What I, what's impressed me about the writing of the show, just to jump into this before hitting the legal issues, <laughs> because the writers have, have been very clever, that me as the male... I love you male in quotes. <laughs> this is awesome radio. So as the Josh, allegedly the male, as, as the insensitive evil white male who goes around repressing others. End quote. You know, I look at this and go like, she shouldn't have to call her cousin. Why is she getting asked questions like that? And just the, that the way that she's treated and perceived is done in a way that. Uh, rallies people and it's a family friendly show and one of the things that I really enjoy about it it has the nobility of purpose of the 1978 Superman and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. it's like why do I find this so endearing oh it reminds me of Christopher Reeve's Superman and that uh. no nobility of purpose so it has that. The other thing it has, um, and I was reading, gosh, I can't remember where I read this article, but it was, you know, there were all these great reviews of Supergirl after it started. And one of the things they pointed out is, you know, yes, I mean, like the Christian Bale, um, uh, you know, Batman or some of the other ones now, you know, I don't mind them going a bit dark in some of these things, but the constant angst, I mean, it is kind of like, you know, back in the days when I used to watch Six Feet Under and I'm like, does anybody ever smile? Like, you know, she does have the nobility of purpose, but she also enjoys the fact like, this is pretty cool that I can fly or this is pretty cool that bullets bounce off me because let's face it, the rest of us, if we could do that, that would be freaking awesome. So I like that she has a nobility and some joy. Which is one of the perks of Superman, that of the original character that was then uh, followed in the other Superman titles, such as Supergirl and Superboy and, and the others, yeah. that they had that, that fun atmosphere to it. And it's, yeah. you know, Man of Steel lacked that. Yeah, and that's not even get started, of course, on what I think one of my gossip columnists calls like superhero face punch or something. This whole Superman versus Batman thing, which I just get more annoyed by every single time I see it. And I'm like, does anybody actually want to see that thing? I'm going to stay home and watch a Supergirl marathon instead. You know, I'll see it, but it's okay to have heroes who are not emotionally traumatized. It's okay to have heroes who enjoy being heroes. And one of the great things about Supergirl is she goes around saving people all the time. 
And there are a lot lot of heroes who fall into that category, but it's a wonderful uh, discussion point for the duty to rescue. (laughs) Speaking of legal issues. Hmm, did I plan that? So the duty to rescue traditionally is you don't have a duty to go help someone. And there are many horrible examples of like, there was someone screaming for help and you did nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. There are some European countries that have changed that. So you do have an affirmative duty. And there are some states that have been working with that as well. But generally speaking, the rule is you don't have a duty to rescue. Can I interrupt for one second here? I can't remember exactly what it was, but felt a series finale based on it, that Massachusetts tried to pass a law giving some requirement that you had a duty to help. And the Seinfeld cast, of course, being very, you know, selfish, self-absorbed people, they were watching somebody get mugged and didn't do anything, which you're right. Generally, that is a default in America. You can watch somebody get mugged and not do anything. But that's when they actually went up on trial. Um, so I think Massachusetts actually, and I don't know what happened to that, but I think they had some sort of law where you did have to take affirmative steps if you could without, you know, risking yourself too much or anything. Exactly. Now, for our listeners, do you recall what happens with the duty to rescue and what are the requirements for it? That, thinking back to torts, channel back. You can- Whoa. All right, Josh, what are they? So if you start to rescue someone, you can't put them in a worse position. So also, if you start to rescue, you can't abandon it. So it's the wonderful example of lifeguards swimming out, not, say, an actual lifeguard, but somebody who saw somebody drowning. So they start paddling out there, and they're doing the chin-toe, going back to shore, and they realize, this dude's super heavy. And they let go, and they leave him to die. That would not be okay. But now the flip side of that is there are also good Samaritan laws, right? So if you do try to help and you're basically unable to because you're not qualified, I mean, if physically I'm not strong enough and so he does slip out of my grasp as I'm swimming back to shore, am I liable? No, because some of the good Samaritan laws are designed to uh, encourage people to go out and help others. Or to try to help, recognizing that you may not always be successful and you're not going to be held liable if you fail. Exactly. So when we look at Supergirl, when she's being interviewed by Kat, she gets asked the question, where have you been? Why weren't you helping people five years ago or two years ago when there were these big fires? And it's like, ooh, she didn't have an affirmative duty to go out there and start saving people. And it's an interesting idea if you do have a world of heroes, that if you just expect them to Mm -hmm. go out and save people. Which is why the second episode's fun with her running around, getting karma points after causing an oil spill, (laughs) stopping bank robbers, okay, that's interjecting oneself. It's beyond the duty to rescue, but it's defense of others. And that... Yes, well, that's a whole other issue that I was thinking about, obviously, that superheroes have a tough time with because they are often interjecting themselves into a situation. And defense of others is always a tricky thing, right? Because the presumption with the defense of others is that if you see somebody being harmed, you can go in there and basically use a force back like the person being harmed could use. Um, But the problem is, is you have to be able to read the situation 
pretty well to be able to do that. So if she, for example, were to get confused and let's say interfere with a Hollywood movie set because she thought there were actually bank robbers holding up a, you know, a bank and it's a fake movie and she harms one of them, there could be an issue there. True, but she does have her Scooby gang saying like, hey, there's a robbery at the pizza parlor and she goes in it's tough to mistake the guy with the shotgun she subdues him without snapping his neck brings back pizza for the boys helping her it's a win i like no one no one died no one had their neck snapped everybody's okay I do love the Scooby gang, too. I mean, obviously, it's very much, to me, it reminds me very much of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Where you've got the people kind of with the different skill sets and everything um, who are helping out the the main hero. Um, especially, though, especially, oh, now I'm blanking out on his name, the little IT guy who's in love with her, who's helping him with the Yes, and coming with the costume and the cape. I was actually, the kids love that part with the cape. Oh, that's why you have a cape. It helps with aerodynamics. Like, that was a very fun uh, little montage. That is, granted, it's painful seeing him after building the Supergirl layer with computer forensics and software and tracking and everything <laughs> at work. So God knows all the issues with that. It's like, that's not in the scope of your employment. You're just, <laughs> really? That's your plan? He's still getting friend zoned. And then James Olsen cutting in on a dance. Dude, that's just like not cool any way you cut it. Breaks man law left and right. It just. It, does, it reminds me of Ducky. I feel like he's a Ducky from Pretty in Pink, you know? Yeah, it's, I watch it. It was just like, you know, I'm the one who normally gets shot down like that. <laughs> in college, I was used for my mind around finals time and then was discarded. <laughs> and they didn't need to know U.S. history anymore or political science or whatever it was. So I immediately identify with him going, like, that's not okay. And that's why they have that character in the show, Josh. Because <laughs> they're li- Apparently, I'm that core demographic going like, ah, oh, dude, that's, that's not right. And that was, that was the original Jimmy Olsen type of guy. I know. And now he's James and he's all cool. Suave with the type he, form. Hey, don't get me yeah. wrong. He does look super awesome. I would want to bro hang with him too and go on adventures. He looks like a neat dude. Which Let's talk about the oil spill. Okay. So funny thing, that was the Sea Lane Victory, which is a ship that's been used in a bunch of movies down in LA because it's okay. a, it's a, I believe it's a victory ship from World War II, not a Liberty ship. Uh, actually, no, Sea Lane Victory. Yeah, it's a li- victory ship. All right. Okay. <laughs> she, she was used in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode as well. Ah. And a bunch of other stuff. So trying to move the bow out because I know a little bit about ships. Uh, there's a collision bulkhead. So fracturing the, the bow of a ship uh-huh. would not cause an oil spill because that's designed to take a collision, like run into an iceberg or something like that. So I thought that seemed a little bit too easy, but let's assume that forget your obviously excellent knowledge of um, ships and they should have a consultant like you on set, hmm. but assuming she could cause an accident, you know, one of the, with all superhero movies, and it's actually one I've discussed quite a bit with my boyfriend because he's an insurance underwriter. The question is, who is responsible for the cleanup? And a lot of that actually is governed by insurance law. And then there's also related 
federal and state statutes tied to that. But yeah, that is a big question. Um, and a lot of that is up to the insurance underwriters and in making sure that they um, carve out the different things. And of course, and also then the corporate lawyers, how you define some of these terms, because that is often a fight is, is the company liable? Is the insurance liable? Or is the government liable? Yeah, is this this weird force majeure issue or not? Because if you have an oil spill, normally the first people to respond would be the Coast Guard. We have assets to help with oil spills, containment booms. Well, and the maritime is a whole special area of law anyway that has all of its own crazy laws, crazy insurance. So, yeah, that gets even trickier. But even, for example, like if it were um, when some of the uh, bad guys attack her and cause destruction, well, like with the plane crash and the whole thing where she's trying to save it and does damage to the cars and the bridge, like with a terrorist act, if the government um, says, yes, this is an official kind of terrorist attack, then they will agree to bear some of the cost of the um, repairs. Otherwise, it's up to the insurance companies and the uh, owners to bear the burden of those uh, repairs. And as we learned in the second episode, the airplane's still bobbing around in the river. She could... I admit... Oh, that's right. Okay. I was like, wait, I missed that. That's right. That was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she could lend them a hand. She's already picked it up once. This is a thing. Put on the outfit. Go like, hey, where do you want this? And move it. Okay, but at that point, is she like, like what? Is she supposed to be clean up? She's like, look, I save people's lives. I don't have time to deal with all the other stuff too, right? Because if she does it once, then everyone else would be like, Supergirl, thanks for, for rescuing us yesterday. But now can you like maybe, you know patch up this hole in the wall or something. She's got to draw a line. She has to draw a line, but I think an airplane floating in the river would be one of those things to go lend a hand with. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of points. It's, people will remember it. Because if she's picking snakes out of trees, that sort of thing, and taking ambulances to the hospital that are stuck in traffic, like, okay, all that's good stuff. Uh, but it's yeah. also... It's also fundamentally different than the other forms of heroism that we see in comics and and the show, because there's this weird blend of, is she a state actor or is she a vigilante? Vigilanteism is suiting up and going out to stop crime. And there are different levels of vigilanteism from the most extreme would be, say, the Punisher or Roshat going around killing people. Right. Or Dexter, for example. I'm just going to go kill bad guys. So, And as long as I'm killing bad guys, I'm good. But the state might have a disagreement with that. So that's one extreme. And then you go to more of the Supergirl model of she's lending a hand. She's stopping. Well, or, no, no, or you go more to the, wouldn't the, the other side be more like the Captain America, where you are officially part of a government agency um, and you are, in theory, always operating under their command when you are doing things. So that'd be the other end of the spectrum, right? Correct. And then the question is, where does Supergirl fall in that spectrum? Because when she's working with the Department of Extra Normal, uh, of, no, not affairs, uh, the operations, Extra Normal Operations, that's very much a state actor, and she's in basically an agent of them. She's part of the team. Now, I don't know if she's getting a paycheck, but any damages that result while she's helping them fight aliens, because that seems to be their exclusive jurisdiction, yes. they, should, they should be picking up the tab on that. 
Oh, yeah. Does she have key man insurance? Like, does she get a retirement package with them? (laughs) You know, with her sister working there as well, she should be asking these things. This is the sort of thing that a big sister should be lending a hand in doing. Helping Uh, with the paperwork. Yeah. Opposed to the other extreme, when she's with Scooby Gang, that is vigilanteism to to a degree. Some of it is flat out just rescuing people, which is not vigilanteism. Right, because she's not. But out if you're there. fighting bad guys, it technically is vigilanteism. But in this new, uh, excuse me, national uh, city order that they have, they seem to be okay with. Well, we got a superhero, and we just expect her to go lend a hand. Yes, although of course that was was that the second episode where even Cat said. I mean, there was some acknowledgement of that early on, as you know, the superhero is she good? Is she bad? Is she actually more of a danger? Right. So they did kind of touch on that because that is always a thing, and it's come up now in Shield, of course, as well. Um, you know, when you have these people who have these special powers, yes, hopefully they're using it for good. It's all great, but the scary thing is if they're not using it for good or. You know, if you're just negligent sometimes of being a superhero, what's the liability for that, right? Again, causing the oil spill. Yes. So those are the issues. And uh, it's interesting to look at where she fits because sometimes she's technically a vigilante and other times she's a state actor. But when she's a vigilante, vigilante, it looks like she's just getting a free pass that they're cool with it. They see it as sometimes she saves people. And other times she's stopping the pizzeria from getting knocked over. We're okay with this. We'll take it either way. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because you don't see that in some of the other shows. Uh, you do on Flash, but it's not a constant in the superhero shows. And I know this ter- ties in more to the is this the Marvel Universe, I believe? But this idea of, and I thought about this, you know, as soon as she showed up um, on Earth, the whole immigration issue, right? And how does she get an identity, first of all? She has to create a fake birth certificate and all that kind of thing for her alter ego. But then even for Supergirl, I'm like, apparently the government's like, you don't need a social security number if you're a superhero, you know, kind of idea. We're fine with you keeping everything secret and quiet and no ID, which is fine because we should not have a police state. But I'm like, you know, well, they let other people get away without having a social security number, other immigrants. So, so what I think that happened with her, since the DEO has her spaceship and has had it for some time, I bet you when Superman dropped her off at the Danvers house, Either daddy or mommy worked for the government. Superman or, or Supergirl. Yeah. Or, that was fun. Or they, Superman asked the government, hey, could you create my cousin an ID? That, that'd be super awesome of you. Remember the time I saved the world and the time <laughs> I did it again? And then again. Yo. And that time that I made the world go backwards and I caused time to reverse itself. <laughs> oh, wait, you don't because I caused time to change. You wouldn't Trust me, I did it once. You don't remember, but I did it. <laughs> yeah. So I could see them getting government help on that one. If not, they all committed you massive. You need a special law then for that? How is there government help to create? I mean, I guess presumably they may do it with, let's say, Russian spies or somebody. I guess maybe there is some special. There must be some special law for that for people. But even Russian spies, in theory, would have a birth certificate. Or immunization record. I believe what they would have done with her would be just flat out create one. 
go like technically she's a refugee granted from another planet but she's a refugee we owe her cousin who saved us umpteen dozen times we're just gonna process the paperwork and look away yeah and also if the deo has known about her for years maybe they've been around since the get-go and helped with it yeah we also don't know what her adoptive parents have done for a living so th- it doesn't look like they were just farmers. It looked like they had a nice coastal house in Southern California. So maybe they were with the government. I don't know. Hmm. But with that being said, let's think about employment law. So Kat threatens James that he'll, he'll be fired unless he can get her an interview with Supergirl. Is that proper employment law practices to threaten someone like that? Well, you can terminate at will, mm-hmm. and you could argue that was part of, you know, her expectations for his job, and if he can't meet those job qualifications, um, you know, she should be able to terminate. So I don't see how that covers, like, it's certainly not related to any kind of protected class or anything like that. So I'm like, it's obnoxious, but I think she could do it. And I agree with that. I do think at an at-will employee, which is California, mm-hmm. I, it's, I don't think there's a union there protecting them. I think he would have been rightfully terminated, and she would just be a horrible human being just to expect yeah. him. Now, if he interviewed with, like, yeah, I'm Superman's best pal, Jimmy Olsen, and I have the watch and I can call him when, when things get ugly. You know, like, yeah. if, if that was the interview, okay, totally within her right to, to threaten to terminate him for that. Yeah. But anywho, so interesting musings. So it looks like the DEO jurisdiction is limited to aliens. They did make that pretty clear, although they then violated that to help her. Yeah, which is, uh, it is what it is uh, with that. Uh, kind of like maritime or, ironically, immigration which is supposed to be exclusive. <laughs> now, granted, they would have to build a big wall to keep the Kryptonians out. But, you know, there could be some candidate running around going, we want a red star and we're going to build a big, big red wall. So Trump uh, will get it done. Don't you worry. Find someone else to do it. But anyway, <laughs> we're not going to worry about paying for that and, and the actual labor. That's just crazy talk. Uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. That, that slipped. Uh <laughs> Other musings, you know, James knew Clark was Superman, and then he blew it in conversation with Wynn. I know. That was way too Well, although to be fair, I mean, as far as that, that's not legal, but even at the end of the last scene, where, or the last episode, where she's having an I am with Clark about this stuff, I'm like, dude, either just say Superman, or both of you use aliases, but I'm like, you're using your, like, secret, your, you know, your um, cover identities, but you're discussing kind of your superhero sort of stuff. I'm like, you've got to keep the two separate. Either, you know, you guys are having innocuous, innocuous conversations, or Superman and Supergirl are talking about superhero stuff, and that's okay. But doing it on the work computer. Yes. Oh, it's going to be discovered. Some lawsuit's going to go on. E-discovery, those emails will come up. Yeah. I am. Your, your ability to fly fast does not include wiping a hard drive. So yeah. how are you going to take out all the servers? That was just, um, I could see how it could happen. But they need to be more careful in not creating all of that evidence. I know. Um, like, seriously, case after case after case, if they paid any attention to e-discovery, it's always the email that gets you. Yeah. And with not like 
email has been in the news recently for anyone. So, <laughs> again, you think they would learn about that, or no congressman's been taken out for text messages or anything wacky like right. that. Right, exactly. That's Don't worry. Not- Nobody keeps track of this stuff, and it's not stored on a server anywhere. And if you have a private server, you're cool. Yeah, it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So at this point, that's just, that's, yes, that's a sort of gross negligence that judges are getting mad at lawyers for when it comes to e-discovery. Yeah. And again, neither one of them have superpowers as an attorney, but you think there would be some lawyer going like, dude, dude, don't do that. Yeah, no. Ah, yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, looking at Lord Industries. So Lord fired a guy because the train was too heavy. He wanted to go 500 miles an hour and said, well, if you had just used this lighter material, it would be able to go that fast. I do think that's a four-cause firing, but it's done in a really crappy way. Oh, yeah. Especially if they've been working on this thing for years. You think the super genius boss would have said something? Yes. Hey, you should change that. Of course, I've approved all the plans. Or have you I, considered this? No, I agree. It was very mean, but I guess they're setting him up to be a bit of a D-bag. Uh, do you know him from the comics at all? No, but okay. I figured that has to be a character from the comics. And I mean, a lot of these comics, right, have kind of this super, you know, the big businessman who's like, oh, is he secretly evil or whatever? So I love the dynamic with Cat uh, at the dance. So Maxwell Lord in the 1980s in the comics, there was Justice League International and it's hysterical. Uh, I, it's a wonderful gift if you haven't read it as a trade paperback for those, okay. who, love, those, those who like comics. And it's, it's funny, it's intelligent, and it's a rip-roaring good time. And then they did Justice League Europe. Well, the Justice Leagues were organized by Maxwell Lord. And he developed a psychic push so he could get people to do things for him. And, ah. and he would get a little nosebleed whenever he did the push. Ah. Fast forward uh, to present day, well, there was an re- absolute rejection of that error. And, ah. they, and they made him a super bad guy and like trying to conquer the world using OMAX and which were ah. like biological viruses that would take people over and turn them into automaton weapons. Mm. And he ends up killing the Blue Beetle, who's really good friends with Booster Gold, and trying to take over the world type of thing. So he goes from good guy, comic relief, to raging schmuck. Uh. And Wonder Woman killed him the first time around, Uh. if I remember right. So it might have even been neck snapping. But Uh. uh, anyway, so the fact he's here and he's more in schmuckish mode... But he volunteered to save his employees. Yeah. He, he started showing redeeming qualities, and then he was a schmuck again, sick, crediting Superman. They're interesting issues. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And finally, vandalism. <gasps> she defaced a Roman bust. You know, I was thinking about that when she was doing that. I'm like, holy fudge. Like, that is, you know, in a museum. That's some historical artifact that she's destroying there. Yes, I was. Okay, good catch. So, is that vandalism? 
it's actually the traditional definition of vandalism. The Romans and, would agree, right? Yeah, actually, <laughs> because of the vandals who right. in the 4th and 5th centuries who went over uh, Spain and North Africa and in, well, I believe, uh, 455 AD and looking at this case citation. <laughs> and it originally meant the barbaric and reckless des- destroying or spoiling of something venerable, artistic, or beautiful. She took out a statue. On the yeah. Book, this would actually be a felony in Arkansas. Oh. And so destroying a work of art on display in any public place worth, worth more than $2,500 is a felony. Whoa. So... She does have a good necessity defense of, yes. hey, hey, I had to do that, so I stopped a nuclear explosion, so you're welcome. So yeah. that, would, that would be the, the counter of, you're welcome. We can still live here. This isn't Chernobyl, so right. bite me. Um, that would be no DA in their right mind would try prosecuting that one. No, but I did think about that when she was doing that. I'm like, holy fudge, that's some piece of history. But yeah, she had to do it. There was no other way. It's like, hmm, the statue will survive and still be here in 10,000 years when people can move back in. <laughs> or people can be here. Yeah. It's hmm. People are the statue. People are the statue. I'm going to go with people. And yes. you know what? that would be the right balancing analysis. Yes. And, and no judge would go like, you're right. We're going to find her. No, that wouldn't happen. They would go like, no, that was the right call. Thank you. Do it yeah. again. Thank you. We appreciate that. Should we put more of these out? Would that be helpful? <laughs> Just around the city in case you need some. What, what emergency packs, kind of like AEDs, could we have out that would be helpful? That's and right. Maybe maybe that's what they should look at. Instead of AEDs, still keep those. But what super packs do you need on the walls that could be helpful? What could you use? So, question for you. Have you watched this with your daughter? A bit. Her attention, she is still young, so her attention goes in and out, but she definitely likes it. And I'm hoping that um, there'll maybe be some Supergirl toys at Christmas. And so far, I can't get her excited about Star Wars since they've been falling short on the Ray toys. So um, hoping for Supergirl instead, but she definitely likes her. She loves the idea. She has the t shirts already. Good. Like she's very into that because she really isn't the idea of superheroes. Um, some of these are still a little bit, you know, outside of her, uh, kind of a little bit, a few years above her, I think, interest-wise. But she loves the idea of superheroes and plays superheroes all the time, whereas Cape runs around. So she likes Supergirl. How about your son? He likes her as well. He's just really not into superhero stuff right now at all. So like I said, you know, it was my daughter who actually liked the last um, – what did we all go see together that she actually liked more than him? Oh, Ant-Man? Ant- no, not Ant-Man. I forget which one it was. But anyway, he's just not really, you know, he's an 11-year-old kid, but he'd rather, he likes his video games and he likes playing outside. He doesn't He doesn't care much about Star Wars anymore. He doesn't care much about superheroes. So, um, so yeah. So, I'm like, my daughter is more into both. But, again, the people who create the toys don't seem to get that message so yeah there's been enough there's been enough pushback on that that i believe that should be changing i thought it would honestly i thought after all the pushback on avengers that they wouldn't screw up with star wars and again i just tweeted out today but i got a target flyer for christmas it must have had five or six pages of star wars toys in it not not one ray i couldn't believe it yeah you know i went to one of the comic conventions i was at that discussion came up and 
It was to one of the artists, and I don't remember uh, if it was it was somebody from the Clone Wars. I don't remember if it was one of the artists or a voice actor or executive producer or whoever uh, made the comment that uh, after being told, you know, the target audience here is six-year-old boys, like he goes to one of the conventions and comes back and he says, actually, the target's everyone from five to 60. So, yeah. So, I, I promise you for like, like Christmas time, you know, since we're on a little silly, you know, Star Wars <laughs> sidetrack, there'll be grown adults giving oh, yeah. me, I would be okay if somebody gave me a new Y-Wing. I would be okay with that. Yes. There are probably more adults who are going to be buying this stuff for Christmas for themselves, quite frankly, than for their kids, especially the more expensive toys. I would like the remote control BB-8. Yeah. I mean, they- I'm not spending that much money on a toy for my kids. They'll break it in an hour. That would be for me in the office. Your podcasting partner is a good person to get that kind of gift for. So. <laughs> You know, I found Ray action figures. I know what you want, so that's easy. But, you know, that's uh, – I uh, got you a bobblehead. It'll be great. But, you know. <laughs> I'll get you the BB-8. But, yes, but back to Supergirl for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I do say I do love it. The kids do like it. And, again, my daughter is the one who is very into playing superhero these days. Um, and so it's nice to have on TV – you know, somebody who looks like her. I mean, she talks about that when it comes to dolls or anything. She wants characters that look like her, which is why we can't just always have white male superheroes. I, I think it's a great show. I think it's extremely family-friendly. And fun for adults, too. I mean, I love it. It is not one of those family-friendly things where the parents are kind of like, all right, this isn't bad for a kid's show. I love it. Same here. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to do on Monday nights. So keep up the good work, cast, crew, production company, everybody. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. You're doing good stuff. I look forward to her flying through a portal and doing a crossover on Flash. I think that'll be fun. <laughs> I, I think it's just a little too convenient. It's like, well, portal, okay, crossover, network crossover. I see that happening. Anywho, uh, Jessica, uh, this has been a lot of fun. It has. It's been super. Thanks, Josh. Super exciting. And everyone, watch Supergirl. And until then, stay geeky, America. Stay geeky.